Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Bucks, presented by BrewHoop.com, your daily source for Milwaukee Bucks talk. I'm Frank Madden. I'm joined by Eric Name, and it's happy podcast time, Eric. We just watched yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks beat up on the Indiana Pacers 125-107. Um you know, we we said this was a, a decent measuring stick game for the Bucks against a a, a team that we uh, aren't necessarily very bullish on in the Pacers. Uh, you know, I think going back to the preseason and during the summer, we were skeptical that the uh, offensive prioritization, let's say, that, that Larry Bird took this summer would <laughs> be a, a winning trade-off. Um, given how good they were defensively with Frank Vogel. And I guess we saw up close and personal tonight the problems that the Pacers now have defensively and how that that uh, identity has kind of gone out the window in favor of this kind of more up-tempo, try-to-outscore-you type approach. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's not officially what they're trying to do. I'm sure they're, they're, they thought they would still be able to play decent defense, but that's not happening yet. Um, but I think you know the flip side is, Milwaukee Bucks, 117 points on Tuesday, 125 points tonight. Um, of course, neither of these teams are, you know, the Spurs, Cavaliers, or Warriors. But for a young Bucks team that you know we've been waiting to see if if they could, you know, give us some sort of uh, indication that maybe they could be in the mix for the playoffs. Um, you know, the last two games have certainly been been positive signs and and shown a lot, especially on the offensive end, to feel good about. Yeah. Uh, it... Man, I just watching this game was kind of staggering, but also in a way just a confirmation of some of the things that I'd thought. Uh just just because like you said, we had some questions about this Pacers team and yeah, they are they're a bit of a mess. And when you look at this Bucks team, I mean two games in a so thirty two threes against the Pelicans, twenty seven threes tonight. Fast pace in each game, uh, causing turnovers like crazy. The Bucks forced 21 turnovers tonight and scored 34 points off of those 21 turnovers. And it, I don't want to say that's the Bucks at their apex, but if you're imagining a Bucks game and how it should look, those are kind of all of the the checkpoints that you'd go to if you're a Bucks fan and dreaming up. A Bucks victory. It's kind of the off-season wish list: the faster pace, more threes, turnovers actually being caused, and some of them really in the half court where the defense is kind of working together and and making things happen. So it it was a interesting night. <laughs> like we talked about how this was a, a measuring stick game, and man, it. it Kind of makes you think about what this uh, what this Bucks team is. Again, you don't want to overreact from just two games and scoring a bunch of points because that those are a lot of happy feelings and a lot of excitement. Uh, but at the same time, it, 
it's kind of nice to see the offense get going like that. Yeah, and and I think, you know, so often when you look at teams that score 120, 130 points, uh, you know, you look and say, oh, did some, you know, did, did some guy score 40 points or something like that? And <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's usually a bunch of, you know, it's it's almost always when teams score that many points, it's almost always due to balance rather than one or two guys really going off. I mean, in this case, obviously, Jabari and Giannis each scoring 27 points efficiently. Uh, you know, in terms of offseason fantasies, Jabari Parker shooting and, <laughs> and hitting four out of six threes. I mean, yeah. that, that that would have been uh, near the top of the list. Hard to believe, you know, this is the guy that uh, on Monday night we were telling him to how he has to chuck from the outside and he should shoot. You shouldn't be afraid because he'd looked afraid to shoot uh, in the first, uh, I guess, three games of the season. And, yeah. and so great to see him um, just kind of doing what we thought he would be able to do. Uh, in many ways, the last couple games, and um, you know, I, I don't think obviously he's going to shoot, uh, f- you know, and hit four four out of six threes most nights. But uh, <laughs> you know, he's now five out of ten on the season, and you just hope that uh, you know he he can uh, bring that same confidence. Because the thing that was most important to me was that he wasn't necessarily, you know, it's not like he was wide open by ten feet and he kind of looked around and was like, oh, I guess I got to take this. Yeah, he was, you know, kind of open. And was just like got the ball and immediately went up and shot yep. shot those threes. He shot another early, you know, a couple of early jump shots. First one didn't go in, um, and he just kept shooting. And that's just the mindset you need from him. And the Bucks taking all these threes the last two games have also outscored the Pelicans and the Pacers tonight by a ton in the paint as well. Yep. And so that kind of just reminds you that you know again point paints are great, but. Um, and get up a ton of threes it's not necessarily a situation where you have to sacrifice getting easy buckets because again um and you pointed out on twitter um there was that play where where Giannis uh pump fake paul george and <laughs> and then drove it in and um you know guys go for pump fakes if you if you attempt threes i mean ironically Giannis had one of the worst misses from three-point range i've ever seen him half tonight i think he was about four feet short on a three-point attempt i think he was o of two um but you know, obviously, a lot of nights he's not really even going to need the jumper at all. The strange uh, thing tonight was one of though those. was that maybe that terrible three that that miss that was so ugly was the one that got Paul George to bite in, in the fourth quarter because it was the same spot, both of them roughly a foot to a foot and a half behind the three point line, top of the key, and it, it's kind of something we've both said for a while now that it doesn't. It does matter what the scouting report says. Don't get me wrong there. But sometimes when guys have their adrenaline going and when you're possibly outplaying someone like Giannis did for most of the night with Paul George, that defender is going to start getting more fired up and they're going to get a little bit more adrenaline going and they're going to all of a sudden forget the things that they know because they're fired up. And and I think when you when you watch Giannis and Paul George play, and I think a lot of times when you watch Giannis play against other All-Stars, you see a guy that's even more excited than the generally excitable Giannis Adetokounmpo. He, he, he clearly gets up for those games. He, he clearly enjoys playing the best of the best and using those games as a, as a type of measuring stick for himself, as a star, as, uh, as a leader on a basketball team going forward. And it, like I said, it, it, was just, it was crazy to see someone go for a Giannis pump fake at the three-point line but at the same time it made all the sense in the world and as that fourth quarter went on they kind of continued to 
take advantage of how badly Paul George wanted to stop Giannis because you see him use that pump fake and then that was I think for a Euro step dunk or maybe for a Euro step finish then a couple plays later he has that crazy snake pick and roll that turns into a Euro step where he goes from almost the left side of the lane to the right side of the lane one I still can't understand uh and then all of a sudden they come out of timeout Game's close. Pacers need to stop, and they've been running a double pick and roll with Giannis and Plumlee uh, for Delhi to get to the middle of the floor and then kick it back to Giannis. And kid makes the play and and calls. All right, we're gonna try to get him on the overplay here. We'll swing it to Plumlee and alley oop to Giannis, and it worked perfectly. And it's all because you're kind of trying to take advantage of that guy really trying to stop you and overplaying and knowing that he needs to stop. And it, it was just over and over the Bucks kind of getting the better of the Pacers and Giannis getting the better of Paul George. I thought it was because um, on on Monday we told the Bucks that they should have some like little uh, back cuts uh, <laughs> in, in, when, when teams overplayed them uh, on well, elbow I touches. I don't want to say it wasn't us. Like I would never say something like that. Like it very well could have been, but that we'll leave it there for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I think. I think a lot of ways that was. It was really encouraging, just the consistency, because uh, the Bucks scored between twenty-seven and thirty-five in every quarter, and they actually had their highest output in the fourth quarter. When a lot of times, obviously, the tendency is to slow down and become more deliberate, which is something that obviously we've talked about not serving the Bucks well, um, and. The fact that we saw it also late in the game against the Pelicans, but you know if the Bucks can just sort of get a rhythm um, with some basic sets, and you know just kind of get to the point where they have um, you know a couple different ways they can run those sets, and um, defenses have to kind of pick pick their poison, and and you know those sets put a guy like Giannis in positions where he can punish defenses. Um, you know, you don't need to have an endlessly deep playbook of, you know, brand new plays every night. Uh, I think tonight, you know, seeing that lob from Plumlee was was great to see. Uh, you know, you had the quote from Dalvadova crediting Kid for drawing that one up. So um, that was that was very cool to see as a as a counter move as uh, as the Pacers sort of continue to put ball pressure on those those elbow catches. Um, so I mean, really, Dalvadova was probably the only main guy that that didn't play well at all. Um, he struggled with turnovers and, and I think Teague's quickness gave him some problems, but, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, a second straight game where he played pretty exceptionally well. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool because I think these guys are now figuring out how to play with Giannis and Jabari and, um, Monroe's obviously another guy who has some unique skills for his position and they're now able to, you know, I mean, you look at some of the assist numbers they've had. They had, had 30, 30 assists on Tuesday, 32 assists tonight. Um, Monroe, six assists, two straight games. Uh, Brogdon, five assists tonight. Giannis, nine assists. Um, it's just becoming a team where guys are, are figuring out how to share the ball with one another. And uh, obviously, you know, just look at the point totals. It's, it's obviously paying off and um, they're, they're hurting teams inside and they're hurting teams for, for, for once outside as well. Passing is always quite contagious, and I know that's a that's a silly cliche that we all hear, and it's one of those things that coaches spout off about and just kind of just use as a quote to get out of answering a question. But it, it is one of those things that I think is is true in basketball. The 
the teams that really play together and move the ball, it, it gets to be contagious and more guys want to do it. And like you said, there's guys all over the roster putting up good assist numbers and man, Greg Monroe, 16, 16 and six assists tonight. And it, he was great. And I, I mean, for Plumley to get uh, an alley-oop to Giannis assist in the final two minutes of a game, I can't imagine ever dreaming that up. It just doesn't seem like something that is likely to occur. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. And like you said, the the actions are can be relatively simple if everyone's going to play that way and your creators are going to be able to create. And I thought. There was a couple stretches during the second quarter where the Bucks looked really good and where they they really started to open up that lead. And it was when Brogdon was in, I believe, in the second quarter, and he was playing with Giannis and Jabari. And two or three possessions in a row, they did very simple, basic, just how you draw it up, dribble drive. One drives in, kicks it out. Next one drives over the top of where that other person was and then kicks out and you just kind of saw them weaving in and out and the Pacers defense kind of trying to figure out how to keep up with it. And again, that's not, it's not difficult action, but it's two guys that are very explosive and great off the really off the catch and their first dribble is really then their first step is going to take them somewhere. And then Brogdon, a guy that kind of understands spacing and where to find guys and how to get them open. And, it was it was pretty basketball, which is something I don't think we've gotten to say about the Bucks a whole heck of a lot in the last year. Certainly not a ton last year, and uh, even in that Pelicans game, I don't know if there was a lot of pretty basketball sequences. It was effective, and they got the win, but it, seemed, it felt like tonight there was things I saw with my eyes that were aesthetically pleasing, and... And obviously sometimes that'll just happen with Giannis when he creates highlights and stuff like that. But team basketball, pretty basketball, that was something I thought I saw tonight. And that's not something that I've said a lot. And I think we talk a lot about uh, side to side passing. Uh, but, you know, if, I think if you look at uh, the numbers, like when are our shooters most effective and it tends to be off. Uh, when you, a team gets a paint touch and then makes a pass. So having, a, you know, a threat from a dribble drive perspective, uh, you know, we saw it with Brogdon starting to do it. We obviously seen it with Giannis doing it. Uh, Jabari is, is trying to do it. I think he's certainly less consistent, uh, less consistently able to to do it. Um, but I think that's so important. Obviously, we know that the Bucks want to attack the rim. Uh, but to the extent that they can move the ball around the perimeter, but then also be able to use that athleticism to drive. And, you know, even if they're not getting all the way to the point or all the way to the paint, if they can get, you know, into that sort of second level of the defense, force uh, the defense to bring help. Because that's obviously usually why uh, a paint touch is valuable in terms of generating a, a good shooting opportunity from from three, for instance, because, you know, you're causing a defense to collapse and, and adjust and, and leading to, to open looks. And, um, you know, we're finally seeing the Bucks maybe do a little bit more of that, um, you know, drive for the purpose of setting up open three-point shots um, rather than driving for the purpose of trying to, you know, get shots closer to the basket because they can't shoot threes uh, or they don't think they can shoot threes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it it just, I I just got struck by uh, Jabari and Tony Snell and, you know, even Brogdon, they were shooting three, you know, they they looked like guys who wanted to shoot threes tonight. Um, 
you know, not there was not a situation where they were doing it because the defense was daring them to. They were not doing it because it looked like the coach told them they had to and they were begrudgingly putting up threes. It looked like they were guys who believed they could hit threes and, you know, were finding that line and were getting shots off pretty quickly uh, because they think three pointers are valuable and hey, let's let's <laughs> shoot some. So I think that's what's really encouraging, not just the that, you know, they're getting some up, but um, you know, they're doing it without uh, necessarily just being dared to do it. Obviously, this that's a scouting report on the Bucks. It probably will be for a while that uh, you know, some of their key guys are are not great three point shooters. But um, you know, it probably doesn't take long, you know, for uh, you know, if Jabari Parker has a couple more games like this where he hits a few three pointers, uh you know, teams will start to adjust their scouting reports a little bit, you know, especially from, you know, when he's in the corner. Uh, teams will certainly not just slack off him begging him to shoot. So, uh, again, uh, we've talked about it, you know, going back to the conversation we had with Brett Coromenis, uh, shot equity. Uh, yep. Tonight, Jabari Parker built up some shot equity from the outside, started to prove that he can hit that shot. Um, we've been saying forever that there's no reason to think he can't do it. Um, and uh, obviously, it's it's great to see him him starting to do that, and it's great to see Tony Snell starting to hit some shots. He's had two straight good games. Brogdon's had two straight really good games. Uh, Greg Monroe's, you know, played well all season. To be honest, despite yeah. the fact that I think his his scoring has been less consistent, um, he's been really active defensively. And uh, tonight, obviously, a really big impact on the boards, and uh, his passing was was very valuable for the second straight night. It's funny you kind of mentioned the scouting reports because before the game, I I was sure to ask Nate McMillan, hey, the Bucks shot 32 threes last night, that, or two nights ago, whatever maybe, um, in their last game, 32 threes. That's more than they've ever shot under Jason Kidd in any, in any single game. And I thought, I, I mean, the question begs to be asked, are you seeing a new team? Are you seeing something new on film? And he's just like, well, the the Pelicans kind of gave it to him. They they gave them those threes, and he's like, and you, when you play the Bucks, you know you're trying to attack, or you're trying to contain their attackers. You're trying to contain the guys that are going to attack the rim, and you know they're going to do that. So you pack it in a little bit, and you, if they want to shoot some threes you're you're probably going to handle that and well they took them last night uh he's like so i asked well is that something that you guys will also do and it, it was just funny to because his his immediate response was well these guys are nba basketball players they can hit threes if you're just going to give them to them and then to see the bucks get up 27 again and a number of them be pretty open. Uh, it, it was just funny to think back to before the game and how serious teams are taking the Bucks and their three-point shooting. And I do kind of wonder how many games it takes for teams to think, all right, they are actually going to shoot these threes and we do need to change our scouting reports because it, it appeared to me maybe those steps were a little bit further out once we got to the second half, but I, I thought to start the game it was kind of the same thing. Well, we can't let Giannis and Jabari get to the rim, so we we need to pack it in and hope these guys shoot some threes. And well, for two straight games now, the Bucks have made teams pay for that that thought process. So it, I, I'm fascinated to see when that shift, the, when that shift occurs, and if it'll occur, when it'll occur, how it will occur. I'm fascinated by it. 
Anybody else that jumped out at you? Um, you know, maybe one guy we haven't talked about uh, is is Thon Maker, and Thon Maker did not play a real role in the outcome of the game, uh, but he got in in the final minute, hit two three pointers off sort of the <laughs> little half assed pick and pop type type actions, um, and and that was his his uh, regular season debut at the Bradley uh, the Bradley Center, uh, and. It's on TV. It seemed like the loudest moments of the night actually came in that final minute when Thon hit those threes, despite the fact that the game was well in hand. Um, People were excited. Like when he touched the ball, you could audibly hear the entire crowd shoot it, shoot it. And he shot both of them and they loved it. They completely, completely ate that up. Uh, So that was, I will say that was, that was a cool moment. Yeah. And, uh, Based on that little quick spurt, uh, I, I pulled up after the game. I was I was curious to see just some lineup data on the box and some of the on-off metrics. And uh, of course, Thon now in a whopping <laughs> whopping three minutes, Thon has a plus ninety-two uh, net rating, which that'll uh, do. Is, Gotta get him is, on the court. Is the best on the Bucks. I I don't know how sustainable that is, um, but the Bucks <laughs> have an offensive rating of. Uh, 160 and a defensive rating of 68 with Thon on the court, so that's pretty Solid. positive. Um, I think one of the interesting things, and in, in, um, I was looking at lineup data and individual player numbers. You know, Giannis was at plus 3.4 going into this game in terms of net rating. Uh, that ballooned, you know, again since we're early in the season, he was plus 20 tonight. That's now he's now at plus 7.7. The Bucks are scoring 110 points per 100 possessions, which is obviously really good. Uh, and they're allowing a very solid 102.6 defensively. Um, Brogdon, Greg Monroe are are right behind him, uh, so I think that's that's pretty cool. And it's interesting now the uh, Snell, Delavadova, Giannis, Jabari, and Plumley lineup. It's the only lineup that's really seen what you might say is is any size you know reasonable sample uh, i don't think any other lineups play more than about 13 minutes but that lineup's played 46 and coming into tonight they were about or not at, coming into but after tonight they were pl- about plus 10 in terms of net rating scoring uh, a little around 108 and allowing around 98 so uh, that group has defended well and they and they have scored well they've rebounded well they've kind of done uh, all the things you'd want to see, you know, a, a starting five do, and uh, obviously that's, you know, kind of, we'll we'll see. Obviously, how sustainable it is, but uh, certainly some some encouraging early signs because, um, you know, we, we haven't talked as much about Tony Snell, but after kind of an anonymous first couple games, didn't hit any threes in those first couple games, he has uh, started to kind of get a, a quicker trigger. We've seen him put it on the floor a couple times in the last couple games, um, but he has started to uh, to shoot the ball a bit better. Guys are looking for him for that quick shot, and he's looking for it. And, uh, you know, he's uh, doing kind of exactly what I think we had hoped he might do. Uh, and obviously now the question is, can he do that over uh, over an 82-game season? But certainly he has fit in well. Um, ironically, Della Vidova, uh while that lineup has played well with Delhi, um Overall, Delhi's a minus 4.5, and Brogdon is plus 3.6. So, uh, you know, I think probably a lot of it is because Brogdon has probably been uh, better. I'd have to look, but I'm guessing Brogdon has been much better, you know, without Giannis, whereas Delavidova has been very dependent on playing with Giannis to, uh, to be effective. But certainly, 
I think having both of those guys playing well and, and beginning to mesh with uh, with Giannis and Jabari obviously is a great sign because I think they're you know you, you can make the case especially if Brogdon begins to hit threes he's I think at two of the last two games yeah. um, that obviously gives a, a valuable dimension to the Bucks when when they have a couple guys who uh, can can play two ways be versatile defensively. Uh, take care of the ball. Uh, Delhi didn't take care of the ball tonight. He he had tr- turnover struggles tonight. But um, but you know I think that with those guys, their physicality, uh, the toughness they bring, and and if they can both uh, knock down open threes and and kind of know when to get out of the way, that's that's obviously a a very nice complementary set of uh, of guards to have uh, playing with with Giannis and Jabari. Yeah, it, the, I mean those two are really instrumental in the Bucks' last two victories and. Uh, again, like you said, Delvadova had those five turnovers tonight, uh, added four assists, but yeah, he was, he didn't play great tonight, but Brogdon looked really good. And I think both you and I have, have been curious and have questioned, uh, crowning a second round pick and kind of saying, this is going to be a great player. This is going to be the steal of the draft. This is all these things. And those things kind of got said about Brogdon for a while now. I know we talked with Jonathan Sharks the other week, and he was saying, this is this is a guy that's going to be in the league for the next 10 years. And I think both you and I remained, I guess, uh, I, don't, I don't even know, I wouldn't say pessimistic, but I, I think we remained open to the fact that he was a second rounder and had an advanced age and had struggled from three uh, in the NBA. And we just wanted to see some more. And I think I'm to a point where I still want to see some more. I'd like, I'd, I'm not going to at five games into his rookie season. I'm not going to say that this guy's fantastic, but he has been good. There's no denying that. Yeah. I think the, the history with Nate Walters a few seasons ago is still fresh enough in my memory. You know, I think a lot of people can remember Nate Walters having a very, yeah, kind of similar in many ways start to uh to his career in Milwaukee. I like the um, I like the Brogdon Walters comp FYI. Yeah, I think I mean, there's obviously some 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 similarities there. Both um were really good college players. Obviously they were older. Uh both of them had questions about their ability to to kind of stretch out their shots. Both had kind of shots that maybe didn't look like textbook sort of NBA range type shots um but you know brogdon looking a little bit better here this this week uh obviously walters um you know things kind of fell apart uh for him pretty quickly in his second season but uh um yeah i think certainly there's reasons for optimism with brogdon and um i think uh it'll be it'll be fun to watch him kind of continue to develop hopefully we can continue to build rapport with uh, the other guys on the team and i'm you know again it's it's you know we're five games in uh definitive say that the Bucks are suddenly now a good offense or you know a good team mm-hmm. um but you know look I mean uh, they came out I think they played very consistently for 48 minutes something that uh, again is generally very difficult for young teams to do uh, obviously we complained a lot in the preseason about that not happening uh including against the Pacers and tonight we saw them do that and obviously it's it's difficult to argue with the end result and you know guys put up big numbers you know, Giannis outdueled Paul George, and we're sitting here and not even really talking about that that much. Because <laughs> to be honest, are we that surprised by it? I mean, I was, I was. I before we started recording, I mentioned the fact that as I watched the game tonight, I couldn't help but be struck by, oh, 
Giannis is out playing Paul George. And that's the world I live in now, where Giannis outplays Paul George, a player that I respect and a player that I think I've put in the top 10 of NBA players, or at least on the very fringes of 10, 10 to 15 before. And yeah, I thought Giannis outplayed him throughout the night. And again, I don't know if I'm surprised is probably the right word. I, I wasn't ready for that this early in this season. Um, I wasn't ready for him to outplay Paul George, not just, not just outnumber Paul George. Cause I, I thought there was going to be nights where Giannis put up some, some crazy statistics, but he outplayed Paul George tonight. Yeah. Uh, Paul George hit some threes. Uh, but you know, other than that, uh, six turnovers, as we mentioned, and, you know, obviously he's not in a role or, or, you know, I just don't think he's the kind of you know, similar playmaker as, as Giannis. Um, you know, I think he's a, certainly a more consistent defender for the most part, but yeah. obviously, you know, whether it was George or anybody else, they had no real answers for, for keeping Giannis out of the paint. And he was able to kind of continuously uh, sidestep Euro step, uh, you know, get to the rim for, for finishes. And, uh, you know, even with that, that jumper not working at all. And really, I don't think he even took a, two-point jump shot i can't really remember him taking a two-point jump shot tonight so um you know again there are going to be a lot of nights you know people are going to say oh well he needs to learn how to shoot there are going to be a lot of nights where Giannis doesn't (laughs) need to shoot you know he's he's that unique and special as you know just an athlete and in in the open court we were joking right before the podcast you know uh there aren't many guys in the open court that that guys visibly just decide nope not not putting myself out there for the, for this guy. Uh, and tonight we saw it a couple times. Uh, I think it was Al Jefferson just, you know, saw Giannis coming down one dribble for, for a monster slam and transition. And, and Hashtag business decision. You got to make business decisions some days. And that's, it's a, it's a good business decision. <laughs> Can't even say it, but it is like, why challenge just, him? You're just going to yeah. get embarrassed. And yeah. I love, like I said, I said it before the half tonight. If Giannis completes the – he goes inside out with the left hand on Paul George, shakes him, gets to the middle of the lane, and tries to dunk on Kevin Serafin, I believe it was, from yeah. a foot Way or two out. inside the free throw line. <laughs> if if he shakes Paul George with an inside out dribble with his left hand and then dunks on Kevin Serafin from that far out, that is the greatest highlight in the history of highlights. Like I, my brain was ready to explode. And again, on in the press area, you're you're not supposed to cheer. You're not supposed to emote. And I, there was not a guy on press row, either guys covering it for radio. Uh, for TV, for newspapers, for the Pacers, for the Bucks, for NBA.com. It did not matter. That whole press row, all just, you could see everyone like lift their hands to their head and just think, what did that, what, how, what was that? And yeah, that was, it was incredible. I find myself three or four times a game so far this year. I, I just, like tonight I was watching by myself um, and I just sort of like cackled in glee <laughs> like three or four times, like, you know, when with some of the Euro steps and yeah. 
that that big open court dunk and then when when that dunk almost happened he drew the foul instead i mean you just have to laugh at the kind of stuff that that Giannis is capable of doing and um you know i, I i'm hoping that uh it'd be nice if you know again i mean on some level i like the bucks being the underdogs that kind of are are sort of under the radar i, I was you know, subconsciously, I might have been thinking of this team as, you know, low 30s in part just because I didn't want, you know, without Middleton, I was hoping that expectations would be low yeah. uh, so that we wouldn't have to go through another year like last year where people got, you know, all that disappointed and down because they weren't, you know, a 45 to 48 win team. Um, but now uh, I'm kind of curious because, because you know, especially the, the little bit of a slow start, obviously. Oh, people are hand- not down anymore, Frank. A lot of hand-wringing in those first couple of games. Um, obviously now there's there's a lot more excitement just watching, uh, it's, you know, the fact that Jabari's heated up now. Giannis obviously has been putting up numbers all season. Um, but seeing all these other guys kind of join in on the fun has been uh, obviously uh, great to watch. Um, you know, I think the fans got a, an awesome show on a Thursday night and, uh, you just you know hope that uh, the Bucks can kind of keep some of this momentum going, and and that it's not just you know a flash in the pan. They're they're not going to score one twenty five every night for sure. No, uh, but uh, you know if this is a team that can, uh, you know, consistently be consistent, <laughs> it, that would be saying a lot for for a young team that obviously is playing without Chris Middleton. So, um, I so think, anyway, good. I was, was going to say just, I think the. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about our larger margin for giving up more points did that no that didn't hold true tonight it, no, no no if the pacers if the pacers could have scored you know 115 and the bucks had won by yeah, yeah. more than four then then the weird trend of the bucks giving up increasing number of points and winning by more uh would have continued but instead uh i mean they didn't exactly have a juggernaut defensive performance tonight correct and they won by 18 so uh so yeah, I mean, I I definitely thought that this team would be would struggle to be an average offense. You know, I thought this was probably going to be a bottom third offense. Um, you know, right now through five games, for whatever it's worth, they're they're eleventh in, in offensive rating. So, I mean, if they can keep anything close to that up, I mean, if they can be an average offense, um, I think that gives them a great chance to to be very respectable this year. And I think it says a lot about Giannis in particular and his ability to carry an offense. Um, Cause you know, I think they're what 20, 20 points better with him on the court versus off yeah. uh, offensively and about 10 points better defensively. So he is, is absolutely carrying the load right now. And, and I mean, Giannis is, a, I mean, he's a star, obviously he's, yep. he's, he's all-star starter worthy in the East. I don't know if you'd ever get voted anytime soon in, but he, uh, he is playing special basketball right now, and um, I don't know. We don't want to jinx it, obviously. He's the, at 24, 24 points, 8.8 rebounds, 6.4 assists, two blocks. Decent. It's decent. decent. <laughs> um, and I guess the the good news is here, we're not going to have a preview for the Kings game. Obviously, that is going to be uh, – we'll publish this on Friday, so this will be a, a day from now. But – Thus far this season, the Sacramento Kings haven't haven't been great. They've had some problems, uh, but they've given <laughs> up 100 plus in all games they've played except their season opener. Uh, they're two and four thus far this season, and in the past, last year, 
there were some uh, there was some up and down going on in that uh, in that Kings Bucks game. There there was some serious pace. Uh, so again, obviously you got some coach changes, etc. But there's a good chance there's going to be a bunch of points put on the board on Saturday night. Yeah, and we talked about before the season. You know, 14 of the first 21 Bucks games are at home. Uh, that schedule. I mean, they've got some some difficult games in there. I think Golden State and Cleveland are in there. But uh, you know, again, uh, with the way that the schedule shakes out, uh, if this team is is going to be relevant in any type of playoff discussion, rather than you know tankathon discussions, uh, they're going to have to really do well early in the season. And I, I know I don't know how well they're going to have to do, um, but I, th- I think certainly uh, you're going to have to be 500, probably a little over 500 yep. through that first 20 game sample. Um, if you're going to want to kind of stay in that conversation. And I think also just for a young team, I think there's a huge value in in starting well and, and building that confidence and actually having guys feel like they, they actually can win every night versus, um, you know, I think it, it can be tough to sort of dig that out um, over the course of a season. But we will see. Hopefully uh, hopefully we, we get more of, uh, of the same tonight uh, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it's nice when... You know, sports are supposed to be enjoyed. I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And tonight was a really fun game to watch and enjoy it. Enjoy it, and hopefully we'll enjoy Saturday too. Yeah, I'm down. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.